HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by VisitNapaValley.com, the official page for travel to the Napa Valley, America's legendary wine, food, arts, and wellness capital. For more information, visit www.VisitNapaValley.com. This is Michael Harlan Turkel, host of The Food Scene. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. one o'clock on Monday afternoon and I'm in Bushwick, Brooklyn, and that means you're listening to Tech Bytes on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Jennifer Leutzi, and every Monday afternoon we spend some time talking about technology and food and how one helps us get to the other, sometimes easily and sometimes more quickly. To listen live or on demand, click on to heritageradionetwork.org or you can get Tech Bytes to go and download the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. The iTunes piece is very exciting, and I would love it if everyone goes and subscribes and gives it lots and lots of stars. Before we get started today with the show, I want to introduce everyone who's in the studio so you can match names and voices. First up, the person who is responsible for turning this show talking into an actual broadcast on the internet is Jack Inslee, who's our engineer, and he wears many Heritage Radio hats as the network's executive producer and the host of Full Service Radio on Thursday nights at 7.30, which is one of my favorite shows on the network. Thank you. Wearing a Knicks hat today. You're not wearing a birthday hat? I, no. I heard it was your birthday <laughs> over the weekend. It was. It was. I had a great weekend. I actually uh, had one of the best meals of my life at Momo Sushi Shack. Oh, that's right around the corner yeah, from here. Unbelievable. Is it chicken sushi? Uh, no, it's not. It's sushi sushi. Uh, I mean, I had some of the best pieces of fish I've ever, ever had. Phil Gilmore, who runs the place, is amazing. Wonderful. Well, that's a good tip. And I, I asked if it was chicken sushi because I think Momo is chicken in Japanese. I think you're right, actually. I mean, they do serve an incredible fried chicken, so there's... there's fried chicken. chicken and sushi, so there yeah. you go. Yeah, exactly. We don't really need to leave this block, do we? We nope, have Roberta's, never. we have the sushi. <laughs> so that's Jack, and our guest today, my guest today in the studio, her name is Julia, and she is with Delectable the Wine App, and she's out from sunny California here in snowy Brooklyn. It feels great to be here, and so thank you so much for having me on. 
Well, we're excited to be talking to you a little bit later about the YNAP Delectable. And before we get to that, we are going to start something a little bit new today on Tech Bytes. At the beginning of the show, we're going to do, have a little appetizer where we're going to talk about apps. Appetizer, apps. If it's, you have to explain it, I guess it's not funny. <laughs> <laughs> there are about a billion smartphones out in the world today, and people use them not to make phone calls and talk to other people. They use them to do stuff and find stuff and entertain themselves. And part of how they do that is with apps. And it's kind of amazing, I think, how when you go out into the world today and you just watch people living in the world, most of them are on their phone and they're doing something and they're using an app to get their day moving and started and connect with people. And in the Tech Bytes world, there are so many food-related apps ranging from how to get restaurant reservations to the Monterey Seafood Watch app, which will tell you which fish is okay to buy, to the Where's My Local Farmer, down to you know apps for farmers who you know can track their cows on their pastures. So there's a lot going on. So what we're going to do in appetizers, we're going to talk about new apps, apps we like, and apps we think need to be invented. So my app today that, and Julia, you have a few minutes to think about what your answer is going to be, and you're not right. allowed to say delectable, because we'll talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs> that would be pretty low. <laughs> so one of the, the, one of my new additions to my phone is an app called Is the L Train Fucked? And I spend a lot of time in Bushwick now, in Brooklyn, and that means I ride the L train a lot, which I never used to do. And the L train can be a little temperamental. It only, you know, runs in a straight line, but that straight line can be challenging. So Is the L Train Fucked is actually a website that was created back in February 2011 by a creative director named Jonathan Vigiano. Vigiano? And it basically pulls the MTA's API in real time. And if you go to isthealtrainfuck.com, it's a gray screen, and it says, is the L train fucked? And then it has a circle, and it says, yep, if it is, or a circle that says, nope, if it's not. So this was so successful. People really enjoyed it. It's free. It's fun. The design is simple and elegant. He turned it into an app in 2014. So it's free, it's on iTunes, and it still does only one thing. You punch it and it says, yep or nope. And that is something that I've started to use very regularly and really appreciate because it's been very helpful and has saved me from being late to Tech Bytes on more than one occasion already. So that's my favorite app. Julia, what's your favorite app? So like you, I'm, I'm actually really a fan of just functional apps. I don't want to spend more time on my phone than I already do, to be honest. Um, and one of my favorites for a while is a weather app called Solar. And it's just really simple and beautiful. And there's nothing that exciting to really write home about about it. It's just that I can swipe between like the different places that I tend to go because I travel a lot for work. And, um, and then I know if I'm going to freeze my ass off or boil, basically. It's 
it's really simple, but it's the app, like one app that I use every day, that and Uber. To be <laughs> I'm like, oh, lifeline and maps. <laughs> and so, Jack, I'm going to put you on the spot. What's your favorite app or newest app? I have two that I love right now. And this is really surprising to me because it's an app from the city of New York. And I never would have thought that I'd enjoy an app. From A that. civic app. It's the 311 app because it really quickly and easily tells you if alternate side parking is in effect. So it kind of saves me the call to 311 or, like, looking it up. It just pops up as a notification on my phone. Like, in the case of the snow, it just said, alternate side parking suspended. That's pretty amazing because the alternate side parking regulations in New York City are very complicated and difficult to follow. Yeah, this actually made it pretty easy for me. And I was surprised. Somebody told me, like, oh, get the NYC 311 app. And I was like, oh, yeah, right. They won't have a good app. But it's clean. It's good. And then my other choice was, um, and I'm sure a lot of other people would agree, Venmo. Um, it makes utility splitting very easy. Oh. You know, like uh, you know, splitting up electric and gas and internet charges and um, splitting checks at dinner. It makes really easy, too. If uh, instead of putting a bunch of cards on the table, everybody can just Venmo you their share. And then you put it on your card. So it's not a calculator. It's a system where people can pay you. Yes. Pay you their percentage of a bill. Or anything, really. You set it up, and it's free to use. You put your bank account information in, and you can send and receive payments across any bank to anybody. Perfect. And they don't take any charge. I'm kind of confused. How does that work, then? I don't know. I'm confused by it. But Are, um, Are they just copying all your credit card information? It's in there. I mean, I haven't had any problems yet. It came before Apple Pay, and Apple Pay seems to be set up in a similar fashion. So it'll be interesting to see if Venmo lasts. But for now, it's a great app. Could you pay New York City if you get a parking ticket because 311 goes on the fritz? That would be full circle. Soon, soon come. <laughs> Wonderful. So it's perfect that we started Appetizer today because our guest, Julia Weinberg, is from Delectable. And... If people aren't familiar with it, Delectable is an interesting little app that was started in 2012, Apple and Android. And basically what you do is you use your camera to take a picture of a wine label, and then it connects that to your profile, and then connects it to the greater database of everybody who's on the app putting in their wine labels and then you can in real time search what people think and have said about that wine and then because it's been launched up into your profile it also creates a nice little wine list for yourself of all the things that you've been drinking or maybe want to drink or came across in a store so you don't have to remember what was that rosé that you wanted to try that you had at the barbecue last summer that you meant to get So it just came out with a new release, 4.4, with the integration of Apple Pay, which is interesting. And to Jack's point, Apple Pay seems to be encroaching everywhere. And so let's back up a little bit, though, before we get to the Apple Pay and have Julia tell us where the idea came from for the app and how it's working. So thank you so much again for having me on and for your great synopsis of the Delectable app, which, as you mentioned, is available for Android and uh, iPhone. And so, you know, the idea for Delectable came from the founder, Alex Fishman. And Alex is a tech and data expert. That's his lineage. 
not mine, by the way. Um, so he had this idea of how can I build technology to make wine easier? Um, to backtrack there just a little bit, uh, I think that it's pretty safe to say that wine is really complicated. And, you know, it's really enjoyable. I'm the sort of wine nerd of the company. Um, and he, Alex, you know, grew up in New York City, super into food, one of the like biggest foodies I've ever, actually ever met. And he quite honestly thought that it was bullshit that he would get handed a menu you know, of wine and like feel intimidated by it. So he's like, all right, I'm going to start a company and find a solution for it. So is it actually wine that's complicated or is it wine service in restaurants that's complicated? Because to me, wine is fairly simple. You grow some fruit, you put it into a barrel, it ages a little bit, you filter it, you bottle it, you wait a little bit and you drink it. And sometimes it tastes ethereal and sometimes it's not good. And that the wine unto itself, I think, is a fairly simple transaction. So let's, uh, I guess, the wine world is very okay. complicated and I think historically pretty um, intimidating. So uh, wine service in restaurants. Wine service in restaurants. wine in a shop. Exactly. You know, quite honestly, reading a, a wine label on, you know, that's, that's tricky. And it's easy to a trained eye, but if you're new and you look at a label and you see um, Chateauneuf de Pop, you might think that that's a producer. And then you've got a moment where, you know, someone asks you, what, like, what producers do you like? And you say, I like Chateauneuf de Pop. And then they look at you like, oh, you're an idiot. That's a region. So, you know, from the get-go, the idea was how can we build technology that makes wine easier, but uh, something we like to talk about it's like accuracy without pretension right so you've got this phone that has this tool of a camera and let's use that so you can take a photo of a bottle of wine and then we do this hard work on the back end to identify that bottle of wine and tell you who the producer is what the wine is this was sort of the genesis of things um and then in sort of the privacy of your own pocket you know you're learning about this wine and then also being able to catalog what you've had so that hopefully you can use that as a communication tool with others, maybe a sommelier or a wine merchant, but also to be able to figure out for yourself, like, what do I like? To see the patterns for yourself and really importantly, to also be able to purchase that wine again. You know, wine distribution really varies where, you know, depending on where you are in the country. And so, um, you know, you're not just at the mercy of your corner store or local shop anymore. You know, we make it really easy. If you've had something you love at a restaurant, you can just click a button and have it sent to you. Um, you know, same thing if you see a, a wine that a sommelier or a winemaker, maybe you follow on delectables drinking, you're like, I don't know what that is, but I want to try it. You know, you can go ahead and do that, and we'll, we'll send that to you. So Delectable is actually a few different services or a few different pieces of technology happening under one roof. On the one hand, you have the take a picture, record it, save it, analyze it for later use, and understand a little bit better what it is that you like. And so sort of creating your own personal wine list based on your experience is one piece of it. Mm -hmm. The next piece is that it is a wine drinking community where you create a profile and then you follow people and they follow you and then you can start to share and look and see what other people are drinking, if they liked it, if they don't like it. So just like any other environment 
music, books, movies, restaurants, you follow critics and people that you like whose opinions are like yours, and then you have maybe some avenues of discovery. Correct. So then the last piece of it, well, actually not the last piece, but the additional pieces, you do have some um, content from what are referred to as the pros, which is professional wine people, professional writers, does that include chef people or is it all wine people? But people who are in the industry in some capacity who then are sharing a more professional or established knowledge. Yeah. Um, so let's see here. Because there, there are a lot of features to the right, app, right. right? And it's changed over time. <clears throat> so that first piece that I think is really important is, you know, just remembering what you've had. Right. Right. Especially because you're drinking. And if exactly. you drink more than one bottle, it might be hard to remember later. <laughs> and then the next day and... <laughs> exactly. It all becomes blurry. So there's that, uh, essentially that personal scrapbook piece, right? Mm -hmm. All you have to do is take a photo. You can write your notes, all of that jazz. Um, you can sort and search through that in all sorts of fun and fancy ways. That next piece that you talked about is this social element. So being able to follow other people and have other people follow you and interact with them. Um, when we first built the app, or when we were first building the app, the idea was, okay, how can we build the best goddamn wine app out there? And that was really, okay, we're going to start from the top. So a lot of wine professionals who you know were people that, that we knew and people from like my community, I said, hey, will you beta test this and give us your opinion? And then what was really fascinating to see was what they were drinking. I was like, I want to learn from them. In many ways, you know, it's not just that wine professionals, the, it, it's not just that their opinion matters more, or rather, it's not that their opinion matters more. I think the really important thing is that it is their responsibility and their job to taste a lot of wines and to essentially be the cup bearers for the rest of us, right? So as you... Which is why they wear a cup on a little chain around their necks <laughs> in some of the swankier restaurants. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, I don't really hang out there that so much. <laughs> I'll trust what's on their list for, you know, psalms that I like. So I think it's a really cool thing because, you know, unlike, say, music, where I can, like, listen to a clip and be like, all right, I like that, and then make the commitment. You know, wine, you have to make this commitment of time and money, and you want to make sure that commitment's worth it. So these people who, you know, professionally, they are obligated um, and hopefully really excited as well to try a lot of things out there, to find new things, and really find also the, the best value. And, you know, value meaning that it over delivers. So whether it's $20, $40, you know, $100, several hundred dollars, like, is this an exceptional version of this wine? To see what those people are drinking is like pretty good insight into, all right, this might be worth it for me too. Well, and on that note, I think we will take a break and discover some new music and who the sponsor of the show is. And the break song today is called Pope Mobile by Knife Show. This is Tech Bites.
program was brought to you by visitnapavalley.com. Welcome to the Napa Valley, North America's legendary wine and food capital, where the art of living well is defined and each season holds a story waiting to be discovered. Life feels slower here, lived at a place where tables are set with care. Fine wine and food are created from the bounty of our own vineyards and gardens, and relationships with friends and family gathered around the table are somehow sweeter. When planning a trip to the Napa Valley, we invite you to visit the destination's official visitor website, visitnapavalley.com, or stop by Napa County's official visitor information center, located in downtown Napa, where our friendly and knowledgeable community ambassadors can assist you in creating your own legendary Napa Valley experiences. The Visitor Information Center is located at 600 Main Street, Napa, and is open from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., seven days a week, 360 days a year. Your invitation to experience the Napa Valley beckons. Take a deep breath, lose yourself in our quiet green and golden hills, renew your body and spirit, taste our legendary wines and cuisine, and experience the people who make this valley like no other in the world. For more information, go to visitnapavalley.com. Well, if you've just tuned in and you're wondering what the hell you clicked on, this is Tech Bytes on the Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from two shipping containers at Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Tech Bytes looks at the influence of technology on our culinary life, and today we are talking about Delectable. It's a wine app that just had a brand new 4.4 release, and it's an interesting piece. It has it's an interesting app in that it has multiple components to it. It allows you to photo, scan, and save wines that you're drinking so you can remember them and find them again. It allows you to review them. It allows you to follow people who are on the app who are drinking wine also. Many of them could be your friends, and a lot of them are professionals and people in the wine business. So then you get that extra value of having really knowledgeable people vet wines that you might be interested in. So we're talking today with Julia, who is the uh, self-described resident <laughs> wine nerd. <laughs> now, why, why do you call yourself the wine nerd, just out of curiosity? You know, it's a really, uh, it's a really hard uh, question to answer. You know, uh, what do I do or what's my role at the company? I started there pretty much from the beginning and I was working with a bunch of technologists. And so my job was to be this sort of emissary between or translator between what's going on in the wine world and wine culture and, you know, our team so that they could figure out, okay, how are we going to build some really cool stuff to solve these problems? So it just sort of stuck, you know, that they... They call themselves, you know, nerds, and then I was the, the wine nerd. Um, it just kind of cuts to the chase, I guess. So Delectable really is kind of geek to geek, but in a wine environment. Yeah, I, I think that's a pretty <laughs> safe way to put the it. The tech geeks yeah. talking to the wine geeks and yeah. then everyone drinking together. Everyone geeking out together, sure. So we are talking about Delectable today because just a few days ago in January, they did their 4.4 release and one of the highlights of this is that you can actually buy wine in the app using Apple Pay. And I took a look at it over the weekend and it's it's very interesting. So wines that you that are available to purchase, there's just a little buy button that pops up as a part of the wine's profile. And my first question that I had is who is selling the wine? Who's the who's the wine broker behind that platform? 
So we work with a number, and just one quick thing to backtrack on, we've had purchasing there pretty much from the beginning. So Apple Pay is just that new fancy feature, you know, that we, that makes it even easier. But, you know, it's, it's kind of shitty to say like, here's all these great wines and you can't have them. We wanted to be able to give people access to those wines as well. So purchasing has always been there. Um, and an important part of, I think what we provide for both, you know, the industry as well as, uh, any, you know, user, a, a, a consumer. So anyway, so who provides the wine? Mm-hmm. Um, we function as what is in wine law speak, um, a third party marketing agent, essentially. So what we're doing, we're kind of wine concierge. So when you request a bottle to purchase a bottle of wine, we're working with a lot of amazing retailers and often the producers directly whenever possible to source the wine and then they send it to you. So it's pretty great. We get to, you know, the opportunity through this as well to support a lot of amazing wine shops and the producers directly. So would it be similar in terms of describing the transaction to Amazon? Yeah. Where you're looking for a pair of socks and it pulls up, you know, 15 different sock options. You click on one and Amazon's then going to pass the order along to any number of potential retailers. And then it's the retailer who's going to fulfill the order and send it to you. Correct. So when you have issues with shipping and things like that, is it delectable that I call? Do I call the shipper? Do I call the retailer? We handle all of the customer service. So a couple things. You know, the sock analogy is such a great one because, you know, it doesn't really matter where the socks are coming from. Like, it doesn't matter how the socks were stored. It's not going to affect the socks. These things actually really matter for wine. So we're very particular about who we work with because essentially this fancy word, the provenance of a wine, is really important. Um, how the wine was stored, knowing that, once again, like there's the best likelihood that you're going to get a pristine and wonderful bottle of wine, and hopefully that it's not traveled too, too far of a distance. So that gets back to your question about the customer service. So we handle all of that in-house, and we take on that responsibility. This is also something we work with you know, our partners on. And I like to think of it as, you know, our approach is having this sort of like Danny Myers, like hospitality, um, to, you know, everything customer service related. So if you, if something happens to a bottle of wine that you order, we take care of it. You, you know, interact with us. We're not passing you off. So Danny Meyer, for those of you who um, don't read the news, is the founder of the Union Square Hospitality Group, and he also founded a little burger shack in (laughs) Gramercy Park called Shake Shack that IPO'd last week and I think now is valued at over a billion dollars. He's doing real well. (laughs) He is a man who has the hospitality game down. He does. So yeah, any, any advice we can get from him is, is good advice, I'm sure. The, you said something very interesting that I don't know if consumers at home and wine drinkers are really aware of, and that is the supply chain for wine and how crucial it is. And it becomes so important, especially with older wines that are more expensive. So in essence, anyone who's, who has drank wine before knows that Sometimes when it's cold, it's a little too cold. But when wine starts to get warm, it starts to get a little funky. And then if you, say, have ever left an open bottle of wine or a bottle of wine on the counter in your kitchen or on your bar, and then you start to drink it as time goes by, it turns into vinegar and it's not good. And that comes from 
basically three things, light, oxygen, and heat. So those three elements are very bad for wine. So when you purchase wine, you need to make sure that from the very, very beginning at the chateau, when the wine was put into the bottle and then corked, all the way through to it arriving at your table, in whether that's a restaurant table or your home table or a picnic table, that that temperature, light, and temperature, light, and air mm-hmm. have all been in the proper range. Otherwise, that's how wine gets corked. Um, yeah, More or less, it, or goes bad. It goes bad, yeah. Um, and I think you really touched upon something that essentially wine is, wine is alive. Um, and so it's, I, I won't geek out here on fermentation, but I could. Um, <laughs> but essentially you've got all of this you know, activity that's constantly changing. And exactly those things that you talked about really affect things. So you, know, you can have a wine be spoiled because of poor handling. Um, you can also have a wine that's just... It's an off bottle. Um, it might have that quartain or something like that. But, you know, those and you can't always control that. But what you can control is to the best of your ability, how wine was handled. And I think that's something that we try to, um, you know, pass along to our users through how we work with producers and how we work with um, retailers to get wine in the best possible condition to you. It's, you know, right now it's re- pretty cold. In New York, this is not a great time for shipping wine, to be honest with you. Um, but So we go through every effort to make sure that that wine is really cared for so that you can get it in a timely fashion and not have killed it in the process. Very excellent points to think about whenever you're buying wine and ordering wine online. It goes back to um, shopping with people who you know and have confidence do a good job, whether they're big or small. Um, it's probably never really a great time to be shipping wine because very quickly the weather becomes too warm and then you have the reverse problem of wine getting too hot. You know, it's nice for it to go as short of a distance as possible. Luckily, you know, the wine trade, uh, worldwide wine trade, has kind of figured out how you can deal with some of those things. So there's all along the way, there's some checks and balances and protections to hopefully keep, get that bottle to you in as good a, a state as possible. So how has it been going so far in terms of selling wine in the app and with the Apple Pay? Is it a large, just how many, do you know how many bottles you move or what the sales represent? Because that's actually an interesting, more complicated piece than the rest of it. It's it's really fun to see the buying trends. It's um, Apple Pay is still so new uh, for for, you know, as a feature, just that Apple Pay. I don't know the current stats on it. Um, What we do see, I think there's that moment where you're like, am I going to try buying wine through this app? That's crazy. Um, So there's probably a little bit of a hurdle to get over that first time. What we see are tons of repeat customers. Um, And it's interesting. They're often in, we have a lot of folks in New York, a lot of folks in California, but then also a lot of people, as I mentioned, in areas where they might not be able to get a hold of these particular bottles of wine. Um, One thing I was really excited about, we, you mentioned some curated feeds that we do as well, or the content. And um, so one of the wines that we featured in this, you know, essentially a table wine feed. So great value wines and our $25 is um, or 25 and under, we put in there a wine that's a pretty small production called Cruise Wine Company. It's a Syrah, and it's a stellar value. And, you know, 
to see all of the orders come through for that wine, that this is his first release of that wine. Uh, Michael Cruz, the winemaker, happens to be like really involved and delectable, you know, as well. So it's kind of a nice little like full circle. Um, I mean, meaning just he's an active user. Um, and to be able to support a small winery that way is really awesome. Like that gets me really, really excited that we can build that connection between the maker and that sort of end drinker and hopefully that loop continues so all right they ordered the bottle of wine then they're gonna post it and then michael's like dude i'm so stoked that you enjoy it maybe one day they'll get out to napa and visit him you know it kind of um i think it bridges the gap in what can be a pretty like uh spread out world it's not like restaurants where like the chef hopefully is there and you can talk to them like the maker of that wine might be really far away you might never meet them and have that personal interaction and yet you're sharing something that they very personally created so to i don't know i i I love that there's that that whole like you know beautiful cycle that can happen so it's basically facebook for wine geeks and people who like to drink and make wine yeah (laughs) you know definitely so before we go, um, after the show ends in about one minute, we're going to go on to the other side of the glass and have pizza. What do you recommend generally in terms of a wine and pizza pairing? Oh, I mean, for, for and I, I don't. I think it's helpful for people um, less than actual producers and more to say types. Yeah. I with like to me pizza wine is like what I consider you know coiffers. I want like a juicy red that's lean, not too high alcohol, not too fat. I t- veer towards like Italy, uh, Beaujolais, some of the leaner like California reds that are just like they're you know they're cheerful, easy to drink wines with good acidity. What kind of grapes are those typically? Oh, um, it can really range. Gamay is great. Frappato is great. Uh, Norello Mascalese. So those are some Italian ones. Um, as well, like a leaner Grenache, I think, is always spectacular with uh, with pizza. We might drink one of those today from our mutual friend, Coraline. <laughs> <laughs> all in the name of providing good research and information for all of our Tech Bytes listeners. And that is the time we have today. I want to thank Julia for coming and talking with us about Delectable. It's a great little app. It's available on iPhone and Android. And I want to thank you all for listening to Tech Bytes on the heritageradionetwork.org. Come back again next Monday at 1. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.